Praise God. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. In getting into today's message, um, I, I, I want you to give a lot of thought to what's being said. Listen, listen to God, listen to Holy Spirit as he ministers to you, and take heed because times are different, times are changing Many of the things that you thought you believed in, many of the things that you thought were true, um, according to the word of God anyway, uh, as you are beginning to walk with God and being led by Holy Spirit, you'll have and you'll see revelations that are, are, are different, possibly to your previous thinking. The fact remains is that what is written in the Bible is the only truth. What is written in the Bible is the only thing that we can hold to be indisputable. Okay, and I don't care what man would say or what other authorities would say. It's the word of God that speaks for my life. It's the word of God that guides my life. So I want you, as you're listening to this message, I want to start off by relaying to you something that happened to me a few years back, several years back. And I just want you to get this picture. Get this picture as I relate this event. And I was I had gone to California from New York on a trip. And coming back, now just paint this like you were looking at a video or something. The aircraft was completing its journey from California to New York and was approaching MacArthur Airport. It's a little small airport on Long Island, about 50 miles from the big one, JFK, which it was easy for me to fly out of. And um, it had been been an uneventful trip, thank God, but I was very glad to be coming home. It had been a long, long week. It had been raining heavily for the last 45 minutes or so, and lightning was clearly visible from most of the windows on this DC-10. The cloud cover was very heavy, and it was nighttime, and I couldn't see the ground lights. But I knew that we had to be nearing our destination. All I wanted to do was to get back on the ground, into my car, and get back home to my family. It had been a long and a very grueling week on the West Coast, and I was ready to go home. Then there came the announcement over the loudspeaker from the captain, and he announced that we were approaching the airport. This is a true story now, approaching the airport. But we had to wait for clearance from the tower to land. He went on to say that there were other flights in front of us and that we had to wait. And that we had to wait. That we had to wait. In other words, we were going to stay aloft just circling the airport until it was our turn to land. I looked at my watch, and at the time it said that it was about 11 p.m. at night. And I knew that after a certain hour, the town of Islip, in which the airport was noted, did not permit air traffic to come in. It was a small town, and they had total control of the airport. It was after a a certain hour, around 11 o'clock, that that flight could not land. Any flights coming in after that would have been diverted to Boston, Massachusetts. I had no desire to go off to Boston, Massachusetts. Once I got to Boston, I started thinking about they'll put you up in a hotel, but then I got to hassle about getting back down and then getting my car out the next day and so forth. I certainly did not want to go to Boston. However, at that time, there was absolutely nothing that I could do. The huge aircraft, that airplane that was circling, was in a holding pattern. The aircraft was in a holding pattern. This huge aircraft who had the ability, a masterpiece of technology to go from one coast to the other nonstop back in those days through a thunderstorm. Yet it did not have the ability to make a landing. There were obstacles or conditions that were preventing it from landing. There were things that were standing in the way of this aircraft completing its mission. The aircraft and the pilot at this particular point in time had no control, had no control over what was going to happen with that aircraft and how quickly we could get into the airport. So we simply had to wait. Now, at this point in time, I was beginning to get slightly annoyed. I wanted to get home. I just couldn't get there. I was so near, yet I was so far. I just wanted to get home, but I couldn't get there because I was so near, but yet so far. If it had been visible, I could look out of the lights. I mean, I knew where Islip was relative to my house. I could probably see my house. Circling right overhead, but I could not get there. I knew that I had no control over my situation. I knew that once on the ground, it would take me about 20 minutes. But it was frustrating to me because I did not have control. 
because I did not have control. In my heart of hearts, I almost wanted to go back to California and start the flight all over again on another flight, but maybe even take Amtrak, which would have taken me three days to get home. But I really wanted to get home. But here I was in an airplane, 35,000 feet up, and I had no control because the plane was in a holding pattern. And at this point, out of frustration, even that train trip beginning to, began to look a little bit uh, attempting, you know. But all I could do was fly in this circular pattern because we were just there. I almost wanted to go back. I almost wanted to go back. Now, does that sound familiar? Let's go to the book of Exodus. Go to the book of Exodus. I was in this holding pattern, frustrated, couldn't go forward, couldn't go backwards. But I did indeed feel like, gee whiz, why couldn't I just go back? Exodus 16, why couldn't I just go back and just start all over again? Because the, the, the uh, position or the condition that I was in was not indeed pleasant. Exodus 16, and we'll start at verse number one. And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of children of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full. For you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. They wanted to go back. As I sat on that aircraft thinking, gee whiz, I'm just at a standstill here. Boy, oh boy, why did I even leave? If I could just go back to California and perhaps start all over again. Well, so they were complaining also. They wanted to go back where they could eat of the flesh pots and where they did eat bread to the full. For you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill us all off. Verse 4. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out out and and, uh, gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they walk in my law or no. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel, At even, even you shall know that the Lord has brought you out from the land of Egypt. And in the morning, then you shall see the glory of the Lord, for that, for, uh, for that he hears your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that you murmur against us? And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and the morning bread to Bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which you murmur against him. And what are we, your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. So while you're in this holding pattern that you might be in, perhaps, as tempting as it might be to wish you were almost where you were some time before, you may wish that, gee whiz, why am I in this mess? I'm not accomplishing anything. God is providing for you. God is providing for you. God is providing for you. So be careful how you complain or think about complaining about your circumstances, your present day or your circumstances now, because you're not murmuring against the circumstances. You're not complaining against the circumstances. You're complaining against God himself. You are a child of God, and as such, God has promised to take care of you. So even though you might be 35,000 feet into the air in this holding pattern that you're in right now, God is supplying for you, and God will continue to supply for you. So don't complain. Don't be wishing that I was back where I used to be, because it might not be as pleasant as you think it was. Verse number 10, And it came to pass, as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel speak unto them, saying, At even you shall eat flesh, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it came to pass that at even the quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, 
for they wist not, for they didn't know what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Gather of it every man according to his, to his eating, and omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in his tents. So God supplied the need. God will supply manna into your life while you are waiting to get to where God wants you to be. So do not feel that because you are not accomplishing that which you wish to accomplish right now, do not think that you are going to be missing. You will not be able to sustain your life from day to day because while you cannot sustain your life, you have no control over your life. God does. God does. So do not murmur about your situation or be complaining about your situation because you're murmuring against God. While I was on that airplane, back to my account, the Lord quickened to my spirit that the holding pattern that I was experiencing on the airplane was comparable to the holding patterns that we as Christians often experience in our lives. The Lord showed me that sometimes we get to a point in our lives where there seems to be no forward progress. You're praying and you're hoping for something in your life, but you just don't seem to be making any forward progress. We seem to be at a standstill in our Christian walk with the Lord. Many of us wish to get to a deeper relationship with God. Many of us wish to get to a deeper understanding of, of, of the mystifying truths that are in the Holy Bible. Many of us wish to get to a deeper understanding and have knowledge of Scripture. What is God saying? Why is God letting me see this? Why is God letting me experience this? Why is God? Why is God? Why is God? Many times we're wondering, but we don't seem to be able to move forward. Going backward, however, for a Christian means to be returning to the ways of the world. And we obviously cannot do that. We can't go back to the ways of the world. All of us have a past. I have a past. All of us have a past. Amen? We do not want to go back to the way we used to be before we came to know God. Okay? Even if you never had a checkered past, even if you've had such a squeaky clean past, you did not know God to the extent that you know God now. Now, we know that everyone sitting in here are really Christian, cute, and clean, and they were always Mr. and Mrs. Goody Two-Shoes. Ha, ha, ha. Amen? But even if you weren't one that was, was given to wild and riotous living, at some point you, were, you, you, you were, were, were more of a babe than you are now in the Lord. You've gained some wisdom and you've gained some knowledge, so you do not want to go back to where you were. Amen? So you cannot even think about going backward. Many times we say to ourselves as Christians that we seem to be doing all the right things. We're fellowshipping in church, we're praying, we're reading the word regularly, and we're tithing. You see? And tithing alone, if you're not tithing to God, you're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for failure. Because God said what he will do. God said what he cannot do if you do not obediently do what he's calling you to do. Amen? So while we are doing all of these things, and we, we, sometimes in church we're members of several committees, and we may teach Sunday school, etc., but we just can't seem to get moving forward. We can't seem to get that forward momentum in our lives. It seems that we are indeed in a spiritual holding pattern. It seems like you're in a spiritual holding pattern. It seems like you're in a spiritual holding pattern. The Holy Spirit went on to reveal to me that there are two types. There are two types of spiritual holding patterns. Two types of spiritual holding patterns that we may experience in our lives as Christians. Now, listen carefully now, because there could be a holding pattern in our lives because of something that we are or are not doing. One is we could be in a spiritual holding pattern in our lives because of something that we are or are not doing that God would have us to do or that God would have us not to do. That's one. The other one is that you could be in a spiritual holding pattern that is being imposed upon you by our Heavenly Father. The other one could be that you're in a spiritual holding pattern because God has imposed a holding pattern on you. Before we can get out of either holding pattern, we must ask ourselves one very critical question. Do I really want to get out of this holding pattern? Do we really want to get out of this holding pattern? You've got to ask yourself seriously. This is where I am. I no longer wish to be here. 
How many times have you you've taken a trip someplace, especially if you're taking local public transportation and you take a bus, a bus uh, to some location to, to work or whatever it might be, and it is such a horrible ride, you make a vow to yourself, I will never ride that bus again. And do you get on that bus again? No, you don't, unless you like punishment. How many times in your life have you interacted or interfaced with someone that it was just a horrible trip? How many times, God forbid, you get trapped on a two-week-long vacation with someone that is, my gosh, diametrically opposite to everything that you are? Opposite to, 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 to your belief and your, 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 your interaction with God. And you're stuck two weeks with them. You can't wait until you can get home. And you never go back again. So I submit to you today that when you get really, really tired of being where you are and when you really, really get tired of kind of spinning your wheels and being in this holding pattern, when you can say to God, I'm making a decision today, enough is enough that I wish to move forward in you, then God can indeed start acting. We must ask ourselves, are we ready to give up the worldly thinking? We must ask ourselves, are we willing to give up the worldly thinking and the worldly behaviors? Are we willing, are we really, really willing to give up those people that would drag us down, that those would keep us doing the things that they do? Whereas deep in your spirit you know that you should not be partaking of or engaging in the things that people are into. The circumstances that lead you to be where God would not want you to be. When you're tired of that, you may get out of that holding pattern. But you've got to make the decision. You see? You see, so many times, you know, and, and, and I, I talked about the comfort zones uh, even last week and everything, but Holy Spirit is putting it back in my spirit again to mention, because, you see, these comfort zones can be old and familiar places. They can be old and familiar people. They can be relationships and things. Other things in your life that you just want to hold on to. Other things that you just want to just keep in your presence. Because for some reason this thing was passed down from Granny Auntie Sue or something like that, or you found it in the flea market and it was so beautiful, it was made in 1798, and so which is a whole thing by itself you need to be careful of, about latching onto things that are old. There's a history to that. The Bible speaks a lot on that, and so does history itself, about grabbing onto objects that are from antiquity. You don't know what sort of history those objects have had. And you say, oh, God's pastor's gone off the deep end. Oh, you think so? Do some reading. Educate yourself. Read what the Word of God is talking about. Okay? What did God tell Israel to do with all of the things that they got from the battle of, um, the battle as it was, I think it was Jericho? Burn all of that stuff. Except for, for specific things that God wanted put into the treasury. Because these people, they were a pagan nation. They were a pagan people. They prayed to all sorts of demonic gods. And it is no small wonder that those objects that God was telling them to destroy, you know, were also had these things attached to them. People in modern day society, they think that is such poppycock. They think that is such silliness. Because scientifically, how can a spirit, how can a demon be attached to a thing? Well, I didn't say it. God did. The word of God did. But many people have objects in their houses, have things going around them because they refuse to give them up. And they're wondering why their lives are going help the scale. They're wondering why strange things are happening around them. Not my words, the word of God. So if you're tired of being in a holding pattern you might be in right now, search your heart, search your mind. What is it that I might be holding on to that I just don't want to let go? What is it that I'm, that I am still gravitating towards? Why is it that I, that I, I, I don't want to let it go? Because we get so accustomed to the things in our everyday lives, we get so accustomed to those comfort zones. And as I said to you before, the reason that we stay in comfort zones, because the comfort zone does not require us to make a change. The comfort zone is easy for us. The comfort zone does not bring about any kind of um, um, conflict. The comfort zone does not involve me maybe having to tell someone, I'm sorry, but I don't want to hang out. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't want to do this. I'm sorry, I don't want to do that. I'm sorry, but I don't believe that because it causes conflict. We as Christians cannot be afraid of conflict, especially when we're quoting and we're we're espousing what the word of God is saying. But you could be in a holding pattern because you are stuck in this comfort zone and you don't want to change your life. 
People, things, events, occurrences with the family, occurrences with others, occurrences with that. They step in the way of God. They step in the way of you being where God may want you to be. They step in the way, they step in the way, they step in the way of you even being able to hear from God. You know, I will say that God is speaking to you. God is speaking to you. And you know in your heart of hearts, you know in your spirit what you need to do, what you need to not do. But you're holding off. You're holding off. Because something else that is there with that comfort zone, that comfort thing, that comfort relationship, something else is there that is holding you there. Whereas God is telling you to boldly step forward, break out of it. Break out of it. Get out of whatever it is that you're believing and thinking and wanting to hold on to so dearly. Get out of it because that may have you trapped in that holding pattern. That may be preventing you from moving forward into achieving and and, and, and receiving what God really has in store for you. You see, this requires the Christian walk that we are in is not a Christian walk. I won't say that was thought of 30, 40, 50 years ago because there were many people that were seeking and understanding deeper spiritual relationships with God back then too. But what I'm saying is that I'm seeing a time where there seems to be a modern move here where there are Christians that are making so many excuses for doing things that they say God would permit them to do. And the Bible doesn't say that at all because it's built on popular opinion, because it is politically correct to say or do or act out certain things. I'm sorry, if you want to remain popular with everybody, popular with everyone that you come in contact, family, friends, co-workers, relationships with somebody in Winco, the guy that always speaks to you on the, the checkout line in Walmart, you want to stay popular to him, with him. And that guy or those people in one day have you or ask you to partake in something or be involved with something that is clearly contrary to the word of God. Would you do it? Your sister, your mother, your brother, your husband, your wife comes up and says, let's go do this, let's do that. And you know in your heart of hearts, you know in your spirit that that is not what God wants you to do. Are you strong enough? Are you bold enough to resist and to say no? Or do you just waffle and fold into that nice little comfort zone where you just go along with it? Just go along with it. Oh, he had good intentions. Oh, she meant well. My mom, God bless her, used to always say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Amen? Amen? Good intentions lead you right down to hell. When indeed you're tired of being in a holding pattern, when indeed you start feeling that like you aren't moving forward, think about what comfort zone, what is it that you may need to be thinking about changing in your life? If you're really, 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 really ready to make that move, then it'll be much easier for you. Many people feel the tug of the Holy Spirit to move on, but they say only because every other descendant of their great-grandmother did this or did that, I must continue doing the same thing. Oh, there's a family reunion that happens every year. And at that family reunion, oh my gosh, there's all sorts of wild cavorting going on. Half the family is unsaved. Got all sorts of shenanigans going on there. You know you shouldn't be a part of. Yes, so you go because everyone in the family will think badly of you because you don't go. Well, just think about it. Who's more important? Who's more important? You're hassling through life. You have struggles. We all have challenges in life. Can any one of those people get you out of that mess? Can anyone in that, in that, in, 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 in that family group or that, that, that friendship group, whatever it may be, can they help you to accomplish and achieve those things that you're praying for? The only one that can help you is God. And God is saying to you today to make, make, to make a decision on what you want to do. Make a decision. The word of God says, I wish you were hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, I will spew you out. I will spit you out. God does not want a lukewarm Christian. And I'm telling you, look around you what's going on. Look what's happening in the world. Look what's happening in the country. Look what's happening in the city. Look what's happening in your household. Do you really want to run the risk of continuing on as you are? 
staying the same way it always is. Many times people don't ask the Lord if that is where he wants them even fellowshipping. Sometimes we're afraid to follow what God is telling us to do because we don't want to give up that comfortable and familiar things in our lives. We must make up our minds to follow God at all costs. At all costs. I don't care what it costs you. You know? You see? You know, many times God will permit. You see, God knows your heart. God knows whether or not deep down inside you're really searching for him. God knows if you really, really, really deeply want to know and desire him. But yes, no, there's something in your way that is keeping God from really, really getting into your life and touching you and promoting and moving you to where God wants you to be. God knows that you know that. God knows that there's something you know, that there's something that you need to do to move the needle in your life. But you resist. You sit back and you wait. You push it out of your mind so you don't have to think about it. Then one day what happens is that God will, God will take off his hands off of you, the cover off of you, for just a moment, for just a moment, and then something in your life comes up. Something happens to you that is totally horrendous. Something happens to you that would just, oh my gosh, what, what mess am I in? What mess am I in? Because for that the second of time, God may be just trying to show you that it's time for you to make a decision. This is what could happen if I just totally take my arms off of you. This is what could happen if you just continue to, to ignore the call of my voice. We only get for so many opportunities, you know, to do that which God is calling us to do. God forbid it would ever go to this length, but I may have told you the story about a pastor who was preaching and, and uh, this couple came in the back and sat in the very last pew there and they were dressed in, in motorcycle garb and so forth, husband or two, a man and a woman, whether they're husband and wife or not. And he was preaching about salvation and so forth and giving yourself to the Lord. And he, he kept saying, kept saying, this is your day, this is your day, you need to make a decision, you need to make a decision. And did an altar call, did an altar call. And he's just going on and on about salvation. Then at some point he noticed that the couple in the back, they didn't come forward, but they got up and they left. A few minutes after they left, all of a sudden the whole entire congregation heard this horrendous screech and this crunching sound, this banging, crunching sound. Everyone knows that sound when you hear a car accident. Right outside the church when they pulled away in their motorcycle, they were hit by a tractor-trailer truck. Both of them killed. Both of them. They had an altar call. They had, a, they had, they had an opportunity. God forbid that anyone in this sanctuary would get to things that deeply, that deeply and that drastically. But I'm saying to you today that God may be calling to you to say to you, you've got to make some decisions. Hopefully it's not a life and death thing, a, a physical life and death thing. But the longer you stay separated from God spiritually, that God cannot, he cannot, he cannot minister to you and bring you into your fullness. So if you're tired of being in a holding pattern, that you've got to get your mind then off of off of the carnally-minded or the worldly-minded things. Let's go to Romans. Praise the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And we're just going to start with Verse number five. As a matter of fact, let's let's start up with uh, let's start up let's start up with verse number one, so we get it all in context here. Eight one. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit walking after the flesh means that you're following worldly thoughts. You're worried about sickness. You're worried about bondage. You're worried about fear. You're worried about all sorts of things in your life that would make you anxious. Verse two, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. 
what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Underline that if you don't already have it underlined. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. In other words, we don't follow the ways or the thinking of the world. Okay, of the flesh of the world. Verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind or do care for the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. So in other words, that's saying, for they that walk after the flesh or after the worldly, worldly way, what the things that you care about are the things of the flesh or the things of the world. In other words, it's more important to you to please others who would not be chasing after God. It's more important for you to keep on doing the things that, according to the word of God, a Christian should not do. It's more important, it's more important, it's more important for you to want to do that than to do what the Spirit is calling you to do. Verse 6 says, For to be carnally or fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and, and peace. Now, the death that is being talking about here is spiritual death. So if you continue to want to go after the things of the world and to pursue those things, then that spiritual death means spiritual death. And what is spiritual death? We know that according to the word of God, spiritual death is separation from God. While you can still be walking around here very much alive, walking around on the earth, what I call those people, those Christians, I call them walking, they're zombies. Because they're walking around in the flesh, but they're spiritually dead. Because once you get separated from God, then you're spiritually dead. Amen. So what this word here is saying is for to be carnally or worldly or fleshly minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You're feeling like you're in that holding pattern that you're not making any progress because you're not at peace. And if you're not at peace, then why is it that you're not at peace? I can't answer that question. God can. If you're really, really, really honestly willing to go to God and say, God, what is it that I need to do? What am I missing, Lord? I'm tired of living like this. What am I missing? Verse number seven says, because the carnal minded or the, 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 uh, the carnal mind, the worldly minded is enmity against God. It's at odds with God. It's like bumping heads with God. Uh, it is not subject to the law of God. Neither can it be. OK, so if you're wor- walking after the worldly things and you're more involved with things of the world, the things of the flesh than of God, then it is impossible for you to be subject to the law of God. It's impossible because you if you're carrying on in that worldly and that fleshly way, and all you're doing is, is thinking about the worldly, the carnal things of life, then it means that you can't hear God because you're not, you, you can't hear Holy Spirit. Because you're so caught up in pursuing those other things. So when the Holy Spirit is witnessing to is, is whispering to you, you know, don't go there. Don't do this. Don't say that. Don't go with that person. Don't go to that event. Don't do this. Don't that. You, you simply can't hear him. Can't hear because Holy Spirit is talking to you, but you are so caught up in that, in that worldly way, that you can't hear Holy Spirit. Okay? That's why I personally don't drink. I'm not saying this is is not the position of Genesis 1 to tell anybody whether they should drink or not drink. The Word of God is filled with all of the reasons and tells you a million different ways. That's up to you. All I'm just saying is the reason that I don't drink is because I don't want to be blind, deaf, and dumb to Holy Spirit. I don't want my mind altered in any way that I can't hear God. I don't want my mind altered from pot, from cocaine, or anything else. I don't want my mind altered from too much Coca-Cola or anything else, <laughs> as if that was possible. Amen. She's laughing because she knows how much Coke I drink. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. The point I'm making is that you need to make sure that you are in a position that you can always hear from Holy Spirit. And the minute you get to that point where you cannot hear from Holy Spirit, that's when you're going to be walking off a plank. You see? And many people, many people, many people in this sanctuary right now, the Holy Spirit is talking to you. Talk is talking to you. But you've got to make a decision what you want to do. All right? You could be at a crossroad. could be at a crossroad, I heard prophecy say. You could be at a crossroad. You may be running out of time to make decisions. I'm not saying that the Lord, I'm not prophesying that, that the Lord has returned. I'm not saying that at all. But only you, you know what's going on in your lives. So maybe it's time for a change. Maybe it's time for you to take the Lord very, very seriously. For to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the spiritual mind is enmity. It's against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can it be. Holy Spirit cannot be ministering to you if you are following a carnal, a worldly, a fleshly life. 
So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Underline that. So they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So if you believe you're living a life that is carnal, you're living a life that is is not in line with the word of God, then you say that you, you, you can't please him. Not my words. It's written right there in front of you. You see? So you, so you got to think about that. OK. And understand what I'm saying now. No one is perfect. No one is perfect, myself included. But if I catch myself slipping and going off the deep end here and going in a direction that I shouldn't go right away, Holy Spirit makes me see that. Makes me see that so that I can reel it back and change my course and say, okay, Lord, boy, I slipped on that one. Gee whiz, Lord, forgive me. The word of God says if you confess your sins, he's he's faithful to forgive. None of us are perfect. Amen. Amen. But the thing is that you've got to remain, you've got to remain vigilant over your own life. God is not going to overcome your will. He is not. You are a free moral agent. You can hear these words today. You can read them here in, in, in your Bible. You can mark them in your Bible and highlight and read them later on. It's the word of God. It's up to you whether or not you choose to believe it. It's up to you whether or not you're tired of being in that over in, in that holding pattern, just circling in the air, not making that forward progress. You have some control over it. Verse number eight again. So they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So if so, be that spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if, if Christ is Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. All right. If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit in life, uh, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Can you get a grasp on that? That same Holy Spirit that raised up the body of Jesus Christ, that same Holy Spirit, this word of God here is saying is in you, is in you. So if that Holy Spirit can raise up a dead, physically dead body, that same Holy Spirit can bring life into you. And life into you is, is freedom, being set free from the problems. Being set free from that particular problem. Jesus said we'll always have tribulation, so there will always be a problem. But the difference that, 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 that is in us than someone that is totally in the world, someone that is, 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 um, is, is uh, not versed in the word of God, is that for that person when a problem or a challenge comes into their life, they don't know how to deal with it. They can't deal with it because they don't have Holy Spirit. Okay? All right? So when Holy Spirit starts telling you, you need to do this, or you need to not do that, don't be so quick to dismiss it. Don't be so quick to to dismiss it as, um, oh, well, that's something that doesn't make sense, because after all, my cousin Charlie does that. My my niece Irma goes there. Or gee whiz, so-and-so He's the boss. If I give him a call, then he'll give me the promotion. So-and-so down the street has some contacts there. I'll contact them. Instead of doing what Holy Spirit might tell you to do. The Holy Spirit might tell you that person that you saw down by Salem Center. Drop a dollar in their hat. Now, I will say that I pray about who I give to. I see people on the street. I give to organizations that we know are, are definitely, you know, sound and bona fide. But I've been out there on occasion. I've walked past someone and I had Holy Spirit distinctly said, give them an offering. Give them an offering. I don't question it. I look at the individual. I simply go back and do it. One time I was deep into the store in Macy's, deep into it. And that individual that I saw at the entranceway, way back at the parking lot there, kept popping up in my spirit. I told my wife, I'll meet you, I'll catch up to you, i got to go back. I went back and I gave him something. I felt like it was Holy Spirit. I don't know what that may have triggered in my life. I don't know. I don't know whether that triggered any kind of blessing. But I know the Word of God talks about blessing someone else. But the point that I'm making here is that you've got to become um, um, you've got to become sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit that's in your life if you really want to bring about some change. 
If you really want to make a, 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 a major decision today that you're going to change your life, become tuned into the Holy Spirit. Many of you were baptized in the Holy Spirit at Bible study. Many of you. Use that baptism. Listen to Holy Spirit that's talking to you. Don't be so quick to just dismiss it as, oh, that's, that's silliness. That's poppycock. Amen? 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 If God has us in a holding pattern, it is because he wants to prepare us for the journey ahead. Now, think about this and listen. If God has you in a holding pattern, it's because he wants to prepare you for a journey ahead. He will not let you move forward. He will not let you move forward until he knows that you are mature enough to venture forth. Okay? Did you go take your four-year-old kid and just put him into your driver's seat of your car and let him go forth and drive it? I don't think so. You may be in a holding pattern. You may be where because God is waiting for you to mature. Okay? Wherever this new step that God may be wanting you to move into, you don't know what it is you might be exposed to. You don't know what the surroundings might be. You don't know who the people might be that are there. That God is placing you there for a reason. God is placing you there for a reason because he wants your presence to bring about some change in others. He wants your presence to be a light. But how is God going to put you someplace where you can be a light if you yourself, you're running on a half a battery? Amen? We've all known what it's like to go into a darkened room and you go, oh, it's a blackout in your house. You go down to the cell, out to the garage to flip the circuit breaker. You grab that flashlight that just been in your kitchen drawer for 12 years and you turn it on. And what happens? You get a little bit of flicker. No light at all. Yeah, right. You think God's going to put you someplace where your life or his light in you is but a flicker? You may be in a holding pattern because God is waiting for you to mature. For you to get to a place where he can totally, totally use you. You know, after all, you, 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 you've made up your mind. After you've made up your mind to really, really follow God, now he can start working in your life. Now he can start removing the impurities from you like a vessel of clay. I told you about when I had ceramics in school and everything like that, and you'd take that lump of clay and you'd slice it and you'd mold it and you'd pick out the glass and the rocks and stuff that was in it until it got purified. Well, that's what God is doing to you. You are a vessel of clay. But he's got to, be, he's got to remove the impurities. Amen? Amen? But removing those impurities are not going to happen until you open yourself to let God remove those impurities. And until you decide, until you make a decision, yes, God, work on me. He cannot start the process until you've decided by an act of your will that you want to move out of that holding pattern. Okay? When you say to yourself, I've had enough. Lord, I want to totally surrender to you. I can't, I can't bring this airplane, airplane in for a landing, Lord. I don't have the wherewithal. I don't know how to fly a plane. It's so much rain and lightning out there and fog. I can't see the landing lights below. I can't do it, Lord. I'm circling in this airport long enough. I want to go home. There may be something in your life right now that you're struggling with, that you're wrestling with, that has you in, in a tiz, that came upon you unexpectedly. There may be something in your life right now that you're dealing with. You need to start making some decisions. You need to make some decisions. When are you going to say enough's enough? When are you going to let God know that you are mature enough to move on? Once you've willed to move, then God can really start to act in your life. He'll take you out of that holding pattern. But again, as I said, though, God cannot and will not violate your will. He will not. But in the meantime, while you're waiting in your holding pattern, let's claim the promises that are written in Luke 12. Let's go to Luke 12. Go to Luke 12 in closing here. Luke chapter 12. Thank you, Jesus. 12, 16. And these are scriptures we've been here many times, but it's time for you to give it some thought to it again. Uh, 12, verse number 16. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, 
What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barn and build greater. And there will I bestow all of my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Now take your ease, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So it is that he layeth up treasure for himself, and it is not rich towards God. So what this is saying is that before you start worrying about what is it that I can accumulate, and you can highlight all of that whole scripture there, what is it that I can accumulate in this life, worrying about those particular things that I want to accumulate in this worldly thing, I want to get a big bank account. I want to get a big fancy car. I want a big fancy house. I want two houses. I want three cars. I want a boat. I want two boats. While you're worrying about all, do you realize that, that in heaven, the spiritual things of God, that means nothing? He said, thou fool, that very night your soul may be required of you. And you're worried about building bigger barns to store all of your stuff. Heard about the rich guy, I forget who he was, that um, some rich a uh, well-known person, died. He had this big Cadillac that he loved so much. They had them put him in the Cadillac, sitting up, and they buried him in the whole Cadillac. Right? I guarantee you, wherever he went, wherever he went, that Cadillac wasn't there. Guarantee you that. Thou fool, this very night, your soul may be required of thee. All right? So stop worrying about the things of accumulating here in this life. But it says, goes on to say here in verse 22, And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what you shall eat, neither for the body what you shall wear or put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. The things in your life that are really important is a lot more than just material things. The things that you're struggling with, the things where you want to get out of this holding pattern, has nothing to do with material things. Nothing at all. Sometimes that's our focus. Why is it that we want to get out of the holding pattern? Because I want to be able to get more things or because I want to get a close relationship with God. When you can get to the point that the thing in your life, the focus in your life is not the accumulation of things, but I really, 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 really want to know God. I really want to know him as though he's standing right here in front of me and that I can see him and I'm talking to him. When you get to the point that in your heart you just say, God, I just want to know you. God will make the things materialize. God knows you have need of a car. God knows you have need of a house. God knows you have need of a food. God knows if you go out without clothes, you'll get arrested. God knows, God knows, God knows. Amen. So why do you worry about the material things? Think about getting with him. Verse 24. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, neither, uh, which neither have a storehouse nor barn. And God feeds them. How much more are you better than the, than the fowls? And which of you, with, uh, with taking thought, can add his, uh, his statue one cubit? And if you then be not able to do, that, to do that thing which is least, then why take you thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, uh, how they grow. They don't work, they toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will you, will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Underline, O you of little faith. Okay? If God takes care of all of that, you're far more important than God, to God than the fowls in the air, the sparrow. You're far more important. If you believe that, don't you believe that God will take care of you too? You know? But it's all a matter of, of what is your priority. What's important to you? You know, and that's you got to stop and think, what is really important to me? You know, so many times we pray for things. We pray for opportunities. We pray for blessings. And then we get blessed. God gives us that thing. God gives us that opportunity. And what do we do? Then we forget all about God. We stop praying to him, we stop going to church, we stop tithing, we stop giving to him, we start do, stop doing all the things we should be doing, okay? So that's where your focus goes wrong. You focus on God first and all of those other needs, all of those um, life essentials, quote unquote, God will certainly provide for you. Oh, you of little faith. 
verse 29 in closing here. And seek and uh, and seek not ye that you shall eat or what you shall drink. Neither be you of doubtful mind. Underline that. Neither be you of doubtful mind. You got to get rid of that doubt, folks. You got to really get rid of that doubt. Some people... Some people have this thing that, you know, I will believe this part of Scripture. I will believe this part of what God says. But this other part that God says is such poppycock. It doesn't make sense to me. For all these things do the, do the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knows that you have need of these things. But rather, seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's his good pleasure. Underline that. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's his pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that you have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old. A treasure in the heavens that fails not. Where no thief approaches, neither moth corrupts. In other words, the, the, the more you try to hold on to money, the more it escapes you. The more you think about not giving to others, not giving, the more it escapes you. Some people, money just kind of slips through their fingers because of the fact they don't give. That's what alms is talking about there. They don't give. There are many people out there that simply don't have. Sometimes maybe you're just not giving. Maybe not giving of yourself. Maybe not giving of your time. Amen? Amen? Because it goes on to say that there at the room, sell what you have, give alms, provide yourselves bags that don't wear out. A treasure in heavens that fails not, whether where no thief approaches, neither moth corrupts. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Underline that. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So in other words, wherever your treasure is, the things that you hold to be the most important, be that accumulation of things, be that satisfying other people, be that going along with other people, be that being involved with things that are worldly or borderline. Okay, and to me there is no borderline. With God, either it is or it isn't. There's no such thing that this is moderately safe because God doesn't quite speak or not, either it is or it isn't. But if, if, if you're tied up on things, if those are the things that are important to you, that's where your heart is. Go to church all day long. Raise your hands and praise God and sing songs to God all you want. But if your heart is really on the things, if your heart is really on pleasing other people, if your heart is really on doing things that God is calling you away from, that's where your heart is. Your heart is not with God. See, and it's not my words, according to to the word of God. You just read it. That's where your heart is. Amen? So do some thinking. Do some thinking today. Today may be a time for you to make some serious decisions about where it is that you wish, wish to go in this life. The things that you're praying for, the things that you're hoping for. God said that there's a crossroads that lay before you. I don't know what's in store for each one of your lives. I don't know. But if God said there's a crossroads there, there must be a time coming up where you need to make some decisions about something. You need to make some decisions about something. What is it that you need to do? What is it that God wants you to do? What is it that you need to stop doing? What is it that you need to initiate in your life? Amen? Amen? So remember, again in closing here, if you're in a holding pattern, that holding pattern could be one of two things. It is something that either you need to do or or need to stop doing, or it's because that God has you in a holding pattern for his purposes. And if the latter is true, either one is true, then God will certainly show you what the answers are so you can get out of that holding pattern. Praise God. I pray that this message has been a blessing to you. And now before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.